Hey, how are you guys feeling? Feeling good? Awesome. Hey, I know I asked this question not that long ago, but how many of you guys, this is your first time at Hume Lake Christian Camps? Amazing. So glad you guys are here. Yeah, give them a round of applause. That's awesome. That is amazing. Well, how many of you guys have no idea? You guys saw the opener. You guys like the opener? How many of you guys have no idea what you just saw? Okay, yes, fair enough. Hey, well, again, my name is Mikey Portis. I'm one of the camp directors here, and what you just saw in this place is our opener, and this kind of sets up the rest of the week for you guys, and so as you guys come into chapel, both in the mornings and in the evenings, in the evenings, you guys are going to see these videos. And in these videos, we're going to show you guys a live action kind of film. And you're going to be able to see kind of the story of Daniel play out in this film. And it's going to be an analogy, right? We're going to see, like you guys saw tonight, we're on this big boat. There's a bunch of sailors up here. They're called the Omnians, right? These guys, these Omnians, they represent the nation of Israel. And if you know anything about the book of Daniel you know that the nation of Israel was taken into captivity, into Babylonian captivity. And so when you saw the trashers come up on on stage, they're dressed up in trash, and they're saying, the tide, the tide. As they're coming up and onto stage, they represent Babylon. And so we're going to be going through the book of Daniel, and you guys are going to learn more and more about what that means and the analogies that are going to take place in those films. But the opener is here to kind of set up the rest of the week. And so we basically just showed you what happened, what Daniel and his friends went through as they were taken captive into Babylonian captivity. And then the rest of the week, you'll see the story of Daniel play out. And so I'm really, really excited. If you guys have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to Daniel chapter three. Daniel chapter three. And if you guys don't have a Bible, that's totally okay. You guys, right after this, you guys can head to the back, pick up a Bible. It's free. You guys can keep it for the rest of the week, the rest of your life if you want to. But you guys can head to the back after this, and you guys can pick up a Bible. Daniel chapter 3. Give me a thumbs up when you guys are there. If you guys don't know where the book of Daniel is, it's kind of near the middle of your Bible, a little bit past the middle of your Bible. You can also check to see what page it's on on the table of contents. Give me a thumbs up when you guys are there. Come on. Daniel chapter 3, and we're going to be in verse 14. This is our theme verse for the week. The main question that we're going to be asking you guys, and if there's anything that we want you guys to take away from this week, it's this. How can I, a believer, live resiliently resiliently in a world that is hostile toward Christianity? How can I, a believer, live resiliently in a world that is hostile, in in a culture that is hostile, toward Christianity. That is the question that we're going to be asking you all week. And in every single message, we hope 
that you're able to get a better understanding of the answer to that question each and every time we open up God's word. For those of you that think that you're familiar with the book of Daniel, maybe you grew up in the church and you understand some of these things and you understand, you watch the Veggie Tales, you know, you watch the bunny, the chocolate bunny, that's right. We got some Veggie Tail fans up in here. Hey, wow, I'm gonna be honest, I was not expecting that. Um, but you guys are kind of familiar, you grew up reading the story of Daniel, you read about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego being threatened with thro being thrown into a burning fiery furnace, and we're gonna go through that in a sec. But my challenge for you this week is to not assume you know. There is so much in this story, and there's so much wisdom, there's so much that we can glean from this story, especially because of the world that you live in today. Last year, we went through, what does it mean, what is truth? We asked that question. How many of you guys there for Truth Be Told last year? Yes, awesome. We asked you guys the question, what does it mean that Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life? And we talked about the fact that many people believe in relative truth, that they believe my truth versus your truth, and we all believe in our own forms of truth, and therefore there really is no objective truth. And we talked about the fact that that's not true. When we read scripture, we understand that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. And many of you, I remember talking to many of you last year, and every week it felt like a student would say, I understand these things, I get it. I know what the Bible says, I've read it, I've studied it, but even if I don't know what the Bible says, I know that, that it says that there is an objective truth, that I am to give my life to the Lord. But Mikey, the truth is, is that it feels impossible to actually live for him in today's culture. It actually feels impossible. There are so many temptations, so many pressures, so many things that surround my life, that are speaking into my life, that are informing my life, that make it feel impossible to actually live a Christian life. And this week, as we ask the question and answer the question, what does it mean to be a resilient believer in a world that is hostile towards Christianity? And as we go through the book of Daniel, if there is anything that we could take from this book, it's that it is possible to live for the Lord in a culture like ours. It is possible for you where you're on your sports teams and where you're constantly surrounded by people that do not live and believe the same things you do. It is possible, while well, the average American teenager spends seven hours a day on their phone, it's possible that you can live for the Lord in today's culture where Snapchat, TikTok, Instagram dominate the culture and dominate the content that you guys intake. It's possible to live for the Lord. And so we're gonna learn what that means this week and kind of creating this theme, and as we were thinking about it, we read this recent study done by Barna Research. Barna Research is this research group that studies Christians, and so they came up with this article, and basically the conclusion of this article, they were, t they were taking a look at Gen Z, and they were taking a look at this generation, and with all its unique challenges, and they basically concluded that the Christians in today's generation are living in what we would call a digital Babylon a digital Babylon. And maybe that will be more significant 
as significant as you learn more what Babylon is and what that means and what that symbolizes. But Babylon is where Daniel and his friends were taken into. Babylon was kind of a godless culture and they worshiped all these different gods. But not only that, they educated Daniel and his friends to believe the same thing that they, they believed. And they gave them new names and they kind of recreated them. And as we were reading this study, we recognized that we are living in a digital Babylon. It's just true. What this, this article is saying is true. Digitally, the things that you're consuming day in, day out, like I said, the average American teenager spends seven hours a day on their phone. Average. That means there are people spending more time than that and people that are spending less. And I know that not all of that is just entertainment. But it's true, that I, and, and I have a deep conviction about this, that all of us are constantly entertained. We're never bored, so we're always bored. We're stimulated, so we're never stimulated. There's just this lull because of all the things that we are feeding ourselves and the constant dopamine hits that we're getting from the things that we're watching. And it doesn't even have to be sinful. It's just gotta take seven hours of our day. And when we realize that, where's the rest of our time going? What does that look like? Another point that this article brought up was the fact that about 65 to 75% of students, when they're in high school, they're attending you know, youth groups and they're involved in their church, and maybe they're serving at their youth group, but at the time they got to college, a good amount of them, it's like 65 to 75% of them, ended up stopped going to church, stopped attending churches. They go to college, they kind of get sidetracked. And many of them, because they didn't form a strong foundation, they get wrecked by some of their professors, they get asked some of, some of these really hard questions, and they get pressed by the culture that they're surrounded by in college. And then the result of that is somebody who's maybe deconstructing, maybe asking some deep questions about what they believe, and then eventually their beliefs kind of fade out and fizzle out, where they no longer believe in the Lord. They no longer believe what the Bible has to say. They don't believe that Jesus Christ is their savior, and they're living their own life. And so the question we do have to ask ourselves, guys, is what about that other percentage, the remnant, the people that stay steadfast, that continue to fight the good fight, to walk with the Lord, to spend time in their Bibles and know what God's word says so they can form deep convictions and follow hard after God? What about those people? And that's why we're looking at the book of Daniel. Because Daniel... Many of you guys probably, like I said, are familiar with the story, but Daniel's not a story that, or a book of the Bible that preaches at you, that says, here's what you're going to do. You're going to do these, th these things. This is how you're going to live for the Lord. Daniel, and the story of Daniel, is a story of someone who lived by example, someone who lived resiliently in the face of hostility. Someone, someone who time and time again, when presented the option to choose other things, chose God and chose his way. And so that's why we're studying the book of Daniel. Daniel chapter three. Let's read this together. We're gonna do verse 14. Verse 14. 
If we want to see what resilience looks like, let's take a look at this. Here's what it says. Nebuchadnezzar answered and said to them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image that I have set up? Now if you are ready, when you hear the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music to fall down and worship the image that I have made well and good, but if you do not worship, you shall immediately be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you out of my hands? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, I love this, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Could you imagine having that kind of resolve, resilience, in the face of death, to look death in the eyes, and this guy who every, the world feared, Nebuchadnezzar, and deny him, and not bow to the idols that were presented before them. Many of you probably have a hard time relating to this story because you're, you're thinking to yourself, I'll never be thrown into a fiery furnace for not bowing down to a golden statue. But the truth is, is that we bow down daily to stuff. There are daily idols in our lives. There are idols all around us that Christians and non-Christians are bowing to. There are things we elevate to a place as if they are God. And we gotta be constantly aware of this as believers. It's natural for us to do this. And many times, as this is the case with Nebuchadnezzar, we make ourselves that idol. My needs, my truth, my life, no one else's. I get to choose how I want to live. Do you think that's an option for us if we call ourselves followers of Christ? No. Jesus says, deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow me. And we'll learn more about what that means this week. I want us to understand four active characteristics, four active characteristics of a resilient believer. As we look at Daniel, we're going to be learning constantly throughout this week what it means to be resilient. And there's going to be four things that I really want tonight you to ponder in the rest of the week for you to ask yourselves, what does it mean to actually live for the Lord in today's culture? The first one is this, resilient believers fear God and not man. If you call yourself a resilient believer, you would fear God and not man. What does that mean to fear God? What does that really mean? Maybe some of you guys are here for the first time and you don't really understand that language. You're trying to understand what does it mean to fear God? In the book of Proverbs, it says, nine, Proverbs 9, 10, it says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And so what does it mean to have wisdom, godly wisdom, to fear God? What does that mean? And many of us live our lives 
the ways that we want. But oftentimes what ends up happening is we actually live the lives that other people want us to live. We give in to temptations because we want to please people. We want to live for other people. And the truth is, is that we fear pretty much everything else. We fear man's opinions. We fear that we'll stand out. We'll fear that when we give our life to the Lord, our life will look completely different. We don't really want to live a Christian lifestyle. We fear all these things. But when we fear the Lord, what happens? And we begin to cultivate those, that fear of the Lord. You stop fearing those things. I love this quote by Oswald Chambers. It says, the remarkable thing about fearing God is that when you fear God, you fear nothing else. Whereas if you do not fear God, you fear everything else. I'd be willing to bet, and I'm sure a lot of you guys would agree that we live in kind of a fear-driven culture. It's anxious. It's tired. It feels like it's running from something. It feels like people are constantly moving because they're afraid. And when they sit alone long enough, they'll start to ask these questions that they don't have answers to. Well, what happens to the person that fears the Lord? And they recognize that God is holy, that he is all-powerful, and that he is sovereign, which means he's in control of everything, when they realize and recognize that, that is the fear of the Lord, when they recognize that, there's nothing, there is nothing else that they need to fear because they have put their trust in God. And they now get to walk with confidence. And that's the truth about the fear of the Lord. It's not this cowering fear of God is gonna strike me down. It's recognizing he could, but I serve a God that is mighty, and I'm going to live for him. And it's conf- it gives you confidence that all the other things that other people are afraid of, whether or not they'll succeed in life, whether or not uh, they'll have a boyfriend or girlfriend, whether or not people will like them, whether or not they're going to get into the specific college they want to get into, all these other things that dominate their lives, that, that, that cause them to crumble, you'll be able to see your God and recognize I don't fear anything. I fear God. That's wisdom. That's what it means in Proverbs. It says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. One of my favorite depictions of this is in the book of Isaiah chapter 6. And if you're familiar with this passage, it's an amazing passage. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. Isaiah was a prophet. And prophets basically heard from, in the Old Testament, in Israel, basically heard from God and then told other people what they heard. And so they were declaring who God was, but also what he said to the people of Israel. And so Isaiah often would get these visions, and this one time he got this vision of God. And, it's, and, he, and he says, and the train of his robe filled the temple, and there was these angels flying around him saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And what was Isaiah's response in that moment? He fell to his face because he feared for his life. And what does he say? He says, woe is me for I'm a man of unclean lips and I dwell with a people of unclean lips. And what does he do in response? God asks, whom will go for us? Whom shall I send? And Isaiah 
because of his fear of God, is prompted to action. And he says, Lord, here I am. Send me. Send me. Daniel had the fear of the Lord, which means that he feared nothing else. And that he could confidently say and have trust in his God. Maybe he was afraid. Maybe he was afraid to be thrown into a lion's den. But ultimately, his fear of the Lord was greater. And because of that, he stood strong through temptation and trials. The second thing, resilient believers have biblical convictions. Resilient believers have biblical convictions. What is a conviction? The dictionary says it's a a firmly held opinion or belief. A firmly held opinion or belief. I love this. I feel like most of us have opinions about everything. (laughs) We have convictions about everything. In fact, a firmly held opinion or belief. I believe that the Lakers are the greatest NBA team in the NBA. And I believe that the Dodgers are the greatest. But here's the ridiculous thing. I will admit, if we're talking about resilience, the Dodgers, I don't know. But hey, look, the crazy thing is we have the strongest opinions, the strongest convictions, firmly held opinions and beliefs. We have the strongest convictions about stuff that actually doesn't really matter. If you think about it, whether or not Marvel is better than DC, whether or not all these different things, pineapple belonging on pizza, all this stuff, right? You're getting, you're getting antsy, right? Like this is something many of us, like we have these strong opinions and beliefs about stuff that actually doesn't really matter. But then when we ask about this, about God's word, what does God's word say this is a sin? Or does God's word say, really say this? Does he really say this in the Bible? I feel like we could leave that up to your interpretation. When it comes to the word of God, we don't really know what we believe. We don't really have an answer for people that have questions. And we have an answer for pretty much everything else in life. When, we actually, when it actually comes down to it, the most important things, we're still grasping ourselves. I studied philosophy at UCLA, and while I was there, some of you guys are like, why the heck did he study philosophy? You're right, I didn't have a job right after college. But when I was there, I was surrounded by atheists, agnostics, people that didn't believe in the same things that I believed. And something that was really interesting is people in today's culture know a lot about what they don't believe. I don't really agree with that. I don't believe that. I don't believe this. I don't believe that God um, exists, or I don't believe that God is is a personal God. I think he's just, you know, a principle, or I don't believe in these things. Oftentimes, it's, I don't, I don't, I don't. But then when you ask people, what do you believe in? They can't really give you an answer. Maybe some of you are in that category, and you're asking yourselves, and maybe you're wondering, I don't really know what I believe. Maybe you're tired of that. Maybe you've been a Christian your entire life, but you still don't really know what this is all about. 
maybe you grew up in the church and you're, you're asking some of these questions and you don't really have answers to and so you're, you're, you're kind of one foot in, one foot out and you're not really sure. If, if that's you, I'd ask you to lean in this week. Maybe you, have, you want nothing to do with the Lord. But maybe God is already softening your heart right now and you're intrigued and you're leaning in and you're wondering what this is all about. I'd ask you to continue to do that. But people don't really know what they believe. And I remember in those conversations, I'd have a, these conversations, and I wish I could say I had more conversations with people, but I kind of was just on autopilot in college, and it's a regret of mine. But in the few conversations that I did, I remember this one conversation. And this person was basically saying that they didn't believe in God, and that they believed that Christians, the religious people, were a source of a lot of the issues in today's modern world. But then when I asked them, do you have a set of beliefs? Do you actually, do you actually say, this is what I believe? He laughed and he said, I'm figuring that out. So maybe you're in that boat. But for the believers, for us who call ourselves Christians, who believe in Jesus Christ, we ought to know what we believe. And we ought to learn. And it's, maybe we don't know all the answers, and I'm not saying that. And we won't have all the answers this side of eternity, but at least we can lean in. And the stuff that we do know, we know with all of our heart. It's not that we just know a lot about the Bible, but it's that we believe it to be true. Jesus said even the demons know the word of God. They know the scripture. But it's not about gaining all this knowledge. It's about letting it transform you and, and, and make you into somebody with resilience. Third thing, res resilient believers trust the living God. Trust the living God. Proverbs 28, 26 says this, whoever trusts in his own mind is a fool, but he who walks in wisdom will be delivered. Who do you put your trust in? Do you put your trust in your friends, do you put your trust in yourself? Do you think that you know the way of life? You know how to live your life? You know all the answers? But who do you put your trust in? I don't want you guys to read the book of, the book of Daniel, go through the book of Daniel, and think that Daniel did this all on his own strength. That somehow Daniel's the hero of the story when he stands up victorious and he says, well, when he's not eaten by the lions, when he's not killed by Nebuchadnezzar because he interprets his dream. I don't want you guys to think Daniel is the hero of the story because he's not. He rests and trusts in the living God. I want you to see how quick he is every single time when he's presented with a crisis, how quick he goes to God. But how quick are we to run to our phones, to run to our friends who we know are good influences on us, to run to all these other things when our lives begin to deteriorate and fall apart? There's this amazing passage in Daniel chapter 7. The other half of Daniel is kind of like this book. It's, it's, it's very interesting. He's, got, he's getting all these visions. But in one of the visions, it says he sees the Ancient of Days, and he sees the Son of Man presented before 
the Ancient of Days. And he has a kingdom that will never be shaken, that will endure forever. And he sees this, and he puts his trust in this God, the Ancient of Days. And that phrase, the Ancient of Days, such a powerful phrase because it's basically saying that God is the same. He will never change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. There is nothing new about God. And so in our ever-changing world, whoever's the president, whoever's in our families and our friend groups, whoever's in charge of our, our country, our states, our governments, politics, whatever changes there might be in the world, we know that the Ancient of Days is still on the throne. And that you might think that your life and your situation is so overwhelming. You say, Mikey, you don't understand. I have got the worst home life. My parents are divorced. I've lost my parents. I have a terrible relationship with my brothers and sisters. I've been ousted by my friends. They've turned their back on me. I have a terrible situation with my friend group. My response to be, would be, maybe I don't know what you're going through, but I know that there is a God who never changes, despite your circumstances. He is the Ancient of Days. Do you trust him? Have you put and placed your trust in this living God are you constantly being let down by all these expectations that are failed to be met? Do you trust the living God? God is the ancient of days. The fourth one, resilient believers are not alone. Resilient believers are not alone. You are not alone. In that story, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, when they're presented before Nebuchadnezzar, I always think about if one of them didn't bow. It says all three of them, all, they, they respond and said, oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we will not do this. But what if one of them was like, actually, I would like not to be thrown into a fiery furnace. I will go ahead and bow. What would happen? But I think there's power in the fact that there was three of them. Three friends, three friends that had conviction, that were able to stand strong in this temptation to bow. Who are your friends? Are your friends constantly criticizing you for believing in the Lord? Are they constantly pulling you away from God? My encouragement to you not to just be, not to just get rid of them and kick them to the curb but you are who you spend your time with. And if you're constantly spending time with your friends that are pulling you away and pulling you away and constantly influencing you, then you gotta ask yourself the question, can they really be in my life if I wanna be a resilient believer? This is such an important question to ask. And maybe this week, by God's grace, and I pray that as you guys are here at Hume Lake, that you guys would gain conviction and that you guys would grow in your knowledge of who he is and that you guys would be encouraging each other to follow hard after God and that you would be encouraging and reminding each other to spend time in God's word and that when you go home, 
You would have a plan to continue to do this, that you have a verse of the day in your friend's group chat, and that you would be sending texts to each other, reminding them. Biblical friendships. This is so vitally important. There's so many different verses that talk about this. But who do you spend your time with? Daniel and his friends, they were successful. They were resilient in part due to the fact that they were close friends that knew the Lord. They knew their identity. They knew they were worshipers of Yahweh and they were gonna call each other higher. Not one of them bowed to the golden image. All three of them stood strong. Do you have friends like that? How can we be resilient believers in today's world? It's the question we're gonna be asking you all week and we pray and hope that you guys would lean in this week. We've got an incredible speaker this week. His name is Chris Brown. And Chris Brown is be giving the messages this week. We're excited for you guys to hear from him. But my, my, my ask this week, guys, listen up. Before you guys are out of here, I'm gonna pray in just a second. My ask is that you guys would lean into the story. That you wouldn't assume anything. Maybe you think you already know the book of Daniel, but that you would lean into the story of Daniel and that you would see the story unfold before you. And you would see Daniel's resilience in this and say, it is possible for me to live for the Lord in today's culture. Let me pray for us, and then Sarah's gonna come up and give a few announcements. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this evening. And that I just, in our feeble attempts, in our, Yeah, in our feeble attempts to communicate your word, Lord, we know, God, that whenever we open your word, it never returns void. And so even tonight, Lord, I pray that you would begin to cause these students to think, what does it actually mean to live resiliently for you? To last through temptation, through trials, to recognize that this is not our home, that we have a home and hope in heaven. Lord, as always, we know that the story of the Bible and the story of Daniel is not about Daniel, but one to come, Jesus Christ. That's why we're here. That's why we exist, Lord, for people to know Jesus Christ, your son. And so this week, God, as we continue to open your word and as we come in and watch the videos and worship you, God, I pray that you would Use those things to reveal who you are to these students. We love you, and we thank you for tonight. In Jesus' name, amen.